coaches what is up welcome to keep your pads down the podcast for football coaches this is season four episode number 145 and man we are glad to be back so if you're a longtime listener welcome back and if you're a first time listener thanks for checking us out today and after you listen to this episode i would encourage you to go back and check out any of our other 144 episodes that we've done over the last three years with uh, just some outstanding coaches bringing the heat on everything from defensive line play to leadership to culture building to all facets of defensive football, even some offensive stuff in there and off- offensive line as well uh, sprinkled in there. Um, so uh, anyway, just a lot to to go and check out if you're a football coach looking to learn more football, specifically defensive line play. Um, now, I, I'm like I said, I'm glad to be back. We've got some great episodes on deck for you this season of the podcast, but uh, this is a fairly significant announcement uh, for my own sanity and um, I guess you could say uh, cognitive well-being. We're going to be scaling back the frequency of episodes for this season. Uh, if you've been with us for the last three years, you know, we've released a new episode every week. Uh, last two years, it's been on Tuesdays, I believe, Monday or Tuesday. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, that pace has been pretty tough for me to stay on top of. So we're still going to be putting out awesome episodes this season, but we'll look to average around two episodes a month. Could be more, could be less, just depending on what's going on. But again, that's for my own sake and sanity. We're not pulling the plug on this thing. We're keeping going. We're just going to be slowing down the frequency. Hopefully you guys will uh, understand that and keep tuning in this season because, like I said, we will continue to put out great episodes for you guys, but just at a slower pace than years past, kind of like me. You know, I'm getting older, don't move around as fast as I used to, not that I was ever that fast anyway, but, you know, still, hey, it's still me, just kind of at a slower pace, and that's what we're doing with this podcast. Uh, anyway, one thing that isn't changing uh, is the outstanding sponsors that we're partnering with for season four of KYPD. Just like the last two seasons, this season we're proud to be working with both our coaching network and Go Edit Graphics. Uh, now, we're still working on updated reads for both of those guys, and we'll have those ready for our next episode. But if you would like to find out more about either Go Edit Graphics or our coaching network, then go and check out the show notes for today's episode. And before we get to today's guest, I do want to congratulate both TCU and Georgia for making the college football national championship, which, of course, was won in dominating fashion by the Georgia Bulldogs last night. Uh, that, however, doesn't diminish the unbelievable season that TCU put together. Um, I'll admit I was pulling hard for those guys, not only because uh, I'm a high school coach in Texas and they're a Texas school, but also we have two former KYPD guests on the TCU sideline last night, uh, defensive line coach Jamarcus McFarlane. Uh, he was on on episode number 92 and defensive graduate assistant for the Frogs, uh, Quinn Jones. Uh, he was on episode number 102 and I actually coached Quinn uh, his freshman year of high school. Um, and so I take all the credit for all the success that he's had <laughs> over the years. Uh, no, but uh, it, it's really fun to just watch him and, and watch his career grow and take off. And um, so that was that was fun despite the outcome last night. But anyway, uh, Georgia was once again for the second season in a row, definitively the top dogs, uh, pun intended, uh, in college football. And uh, as they as they go back to back. So congratulations. To those guys, um, actually, their defensive line coach, Coach Trey Scott, is a big influence on me. He's never been on the podcast, but was a big influence on me when he was a GA at Ole Miss, and I was coaching uh, in Oxford at a high school there. We are—that's where our paths crossed, and so I uh, have a lot of respect for those guys as well. Uh, okay, so let's get to today's guest. Today, I'm thrilled to be talking with my friend, Coach Joe Price, the wide receivers coach at the University of Texas 
in San Antonio. Uh, coach Price just wrapped up his first season as a wide receivers coach for the Roadrunners, where he helped UTSA to an 11-3 record, a second consecutive Conference USA championship, and a bid to last month's Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. Uh, prior to the 2022 season, Coach Price served as UTSA's Director of Player Personnel for the 2020 and 2021 seasons. Uh, in that 2021 season, the Roadrunners finished as Conference USA champions with a 12-2 and record and a berth in the Frisco Bowl. So that makes back-to-back -back conference USA championships for the Roadrunners. Uh, Coach Price joined UTSA after spending the 2019 season as the Director of High School Relations for the Illinois football program. Uh, during his one year in Champaign, the Fighting Illini won six games and made their first bowl appearance since 2014 when they played Cal in the Red Box Bowl. Prior to his time at Illinois, Coach Price was like a lot of you, coaching high school football. He, he, he spent 10 years as a high school coach in the Galena Park Independent School District. Uh, he was the passing game coordinator, wide receivers coach, and recruiting coordinator at Perennial Powerhouse Galena Park North Shore of 2014 through 2018. Uh, where he helped the Mustangs to a pair of Class 6A Division I state championships and four district titles during his time with the program. During his time on the staff, North Shore saw more than 75 players advance to the collegiate level, which is significant because he was, as we'll talk about today, also the recruiting coordinator, uh, as, I, as I already mentioned, uh, for the Mustangs. Uh, 2018, North Shore was named national champion by Max Preps after posting a perfect 16-0 record and outscoring opponents 854 to 199, winning by an average of 41 points per game. Uh, if you remember, that was the year, and we'll talk about this uh, in detail later in our conversation, but that was the year in 2018 when North Shore capped its title run by beating Duncanville uh, on a last-second Hail Mary pass as time expired uh, by a, a score of, of 41 to 36. Uh, that was one of Coach Price's guys who caught that ball. And again, like I said, we'll talk about that uh, in our conversation today. Coach Price is a native of Houston, Texas, and a former standout at Aldi Nimitz High School. Uh, he also played football at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas, which is where our paths first crossed. Uh, while at Harding, Coach Price is one of the top wide receivers in school history. He is a team captain as a senior in 2005, and he ended his career ranked third in career receptions, eighth in career receiving yards, and ninth in receptions per game. Today, Coach Price and I talk about his football journey up to this point, including his rapid rise from Texas high school football assistant to one of the top collegiate assistant coaches in the country, one of the hottest programs in the country. By the way, I didn't mention this already, but Coach Price uh, last, uh, I guess, back in, in December. So last month was recognized as a finalist for the Football Scoop Assistant Coach of the Year Award. So that's not an exaggeration on my part. Coach Price is the real deal, as you will see after listening to today's episode. Uh, anyway, we talk about his rise through the coaching ranks, uh, the unique culture at UTSA that Coach Trailer and the rest of the staff there have, have, have instilled and built. And then the former high school recruiting coordinator talks recruiting and getting your kids recruited, uh, including some tips and advice for us high school coaches from someone who's been on both sides of the table. So some really useful information there uh, as well that you guys are going to pay attention to. We got all of that and a whole lot more. So let's get to it. Here's Coach Joe Price kicking us off for season four in episode number 145 of KYPD. Well, Joe, my man, thank you for uh, for joining us tonight uh, on what is the first episode uh, of the podcast for 2023. So 
you know, of course, we had to bring out the big hitters to lead us off. So uh, thank you for joining us. I don't know about the big hitter, uh, but wow, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, pleasure to be on with another Harding Bison and another Texas high school football coach. So I'm excited. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're not using this. Uh, we're, we're not people can't see us. We're, we're talking on, on Zoom here. But, you know, you talked about the Harding Bison thing. We're both. Uh, grew up in the Houston area, Texas high school football coaches. We're both wearing great. We're essentially, Joe, I think, like, if if you took off the glasses, people would be, have a hard time telling us apart. I think we, we're almost <laughs> past as brothers or twins. But, uh, no, yeah, you mentioned it, and I mentioned it in the intro. We both were, were at Harding together briefly. Me as a as a uh, walk-on um, freshman, just trying not to embarrass myself, and you as a, as a standout wide receiver. But – why don't you just take us back to, you know, growing up in Houston and what that was like and, you know, how you got introduced to the game of football and just your football journey up to this point. Yeah, so I grew up on the east side of Houston uh, near North Shore High School. Uh, I grew up watching the North Shore Mustangs, all those great teams of the past. Uh, but my, my father was a basketball coach, uh, coached over 30 years in the Houston area. Um, so I really grew up in the gym watching his teams and sitting on the bench, being a water boy and just being in the, in the gym, uh, just learning the game of basketball. But, you know, as as kids tend to do in, in middle school, uh, my, my parents wouldn't let me play football until middle school. So that's that's really where I, I started to, to find a love for the game, uh, play football and basketball and ran track. Um, and then as I transitioned to high school, um, you know, I continued to play basketball, but uh, I found a passion for football, and I, I happened to be okay at it. So uh, I went to Aldine Nimitz High School, uh, where I played for Vernon Simon and Randy Rowe um, during my time there uh, and had the pleasure of earning a scholarship uh, to go play at Harding University up in Searcy, Arkansas. So, uh, you know, after yeah, I played there for from 2001 through 2006, uh, I like I like to think we, we we got the ball rolling. We had some good years there, threw it around a ton. Uh, I tell people now, um, I'm glad I'm glad I played there when I did because now not a lot whole lot of receivers are catching footballs. They they run the ball really well there. So uh, met some great people, great times in Cersei. Uh, definitely a different place than than Houston, Texas. Yeah, absolutely uh, for sure. And and um it is always interesting you know i, I tell people because we're, we're fairly close to cersei here and we've sent some kids up there but it's it's a it's a culture shock for a lot of people because you know harding is unique in the fact that you get people literally from all 50 states and so it's a culture shock for a lot of a lot of people and harding looked a lot different when you were there even when i was there than it is now as you've kind of mentioned but you know they've really got it going with, with facilities and yeah, facility upgrades and and really have had a lot of success, you know, in in recent years, um, and so it's that's that's definitely something we can both be proud of. So, when when you were in college, when you were when you were playing in high school, was coaching something that you knew you wanted to do, or how did that come about? You know, I, I probably knew I always was going to be a coach, um, just being around my dad and being around coaches all the time uh, as a player, especially on the basketball court. I was doing a lot of coaching on the floor. I was a big talker on the floor to my teammates and the other team as well. Um, but, you know, just kind of picking up the, I guess, the sayings and the, and the way coaches go about teaching the game. Uh, I found myself at basketball camp every summer. So I think a lot of my game started with fundamentals. And I think my coaching style now 
um, starts from square one. Um, I actually graduated with a business degree uh, and everybody was trying to push me to coaching and I, I, I kind of was in denial about that. So I, I actually worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car out of college uh, for about three years uh, before, honestly, I got fired. Uh, we, that's a whole nother story, but uh, that was that was a blessing in disguise. I mean, it allowed me to go get my teaching certification uh, and begin my coaching career. Um, you know, football, I coach football from the jump. I coach basketball, I coach track. Um, I started out at the middle school level, uh, which was which is really a valuable experience for me. I know a lot of guys at the college level start out as GAs, uh, which is cool. But I mean, having to teach a kid how to put their pads in the right place and, you know, just really uh, for a lot of kids in the area, I was at a blank slate or blank canvas to teach the game of football. It really helped me kind of find my style and, and really a lot of patience uh, in, the, in the coaching profession. Um, but I, I knew I, I wanted to coach football because that was a, that was the one my dad couldn't coach me in football. Uh, he coached me all, all, all through high school, and I was just tired of hearing him coach me. So uh, I know he didn't know enough about the game of football to really give me any advice on <laughs> any game planning or anything like that. But I, I, I truly love the game after after playing, you know, through, from middle school up through college. Uh, and I thought I could have a, a real effect on my community uh, through coaching sports. So you eventually uh, wind up at, at Galena Park, North Shore, which for those of us in Texas, you know, that's that's is synonymous with with championship uh, level football. Uh, just won a state championship this past season against Duncanville. And and those guys, you know, are just year in, year out have have um, produced, you know, elite teams, elite talent. Coach K does a great job there. Um, talk about what it was like being a part of a program like that. Yeah. I, I, first, I, I just got to I got to start off by saying, like, I work for Ray Zapata, who's the who's the athletic director in Cypher ISD. And he really taught me how to be organized as a coach, you know, how, how the planning stages of, you know, the teacher progression and, and you know, just what it meant to to coach guys that may have not been as talented, uh, but you can get them to play to the to the level of the competition. Uh, coach K actually was my middle school football coach. So his first year coaching uh, in state, he's from Detroit. He came down from Detroit in 1996, I think it was. I think I was in eighth grader at the time, seventh or eighth grader, and he was my middle school football coach. Uh, so, so we had a relationship that dated back at that time, I guess, 15, 20 years. Um, I stayed in contact with him even during my time at Nimitz. Um, and then when I got into the profession, obviously I was in the same district. My father was coaching at North Shore basketball at that time. My sister was in the district coaching at a middle school, coaching basketball. She also coaches at North Shore. Um, but when John K took over uh, in 2014, uh, he he hired me away from from Galena Park High School. Uh, I think you know what North Shore already had in place uh, aligned with what I wanted to do from a um, professional standpoint. Uh, I knew they had great kids, they had a great culture, uh, and then a lot of college coaches come through there um, to see those kids. So I knew that a goal of mine was to you know try to advance my career to the college level. Uh, and Coach K gave me the platform to be able to do that. Uh, we we won in 2015 uh, against Sam Ellinger there in Houston. And then, of course, we we came back in dramatic fashion and won in 2018 uh, against – that was North Shore Duncanville won. Uh, now they've played three other times since then. But, um, you know, that community, I mean, we, we helped a lot of kids get to school. 
during the, during the time I was there, and there's, there's still a lot of kids getting an opportunity to play college football from North Shore because of the culture that John Kay and David Amon before him have instilled at that school. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and and so I, I want to talk, go back to that game that, that you alluded to there uh, versus Duncanville in 2018. You know, that was the first one, uh, kind of of this of this four part series that we've now had. You know, Houston versus Dallas, and and all of the state pride, the city pride that that's on the line every time those two programs um, square up. Uh, but going back, I remember watching the game. I was at my in laws' house, and you know, you guys were down to kind of used your last gasp. And, um, you know, it looked like uh, Duncanville was going to get it. I was going to win a state championship. And, and you guys have one more play. And, and you're the wide receiver coach. And your guy um, made, a, uh, made the play of, of the year there, probably of the decade. So just take us back and walk us through that call and what you were thinking, you know, before and after that catch was made. Yeah, so I could even go back a drive before then. Um, you know, we went down and scored. And left about you know two minutes or so on the clock, and they they pushed the ball down the field really quick and scored to take to retake the lead. Uh, so you go from thinking you're winning the state championship um, to thinking, man, you got you got to you got to get down the, the field quick to to possibly get in contention to to kick a field goal to win it. Um, we did did what we needed to do, and we go to we call a pass play and we get a holding call, so it takes us out of field goal range. Um, and so we call timeout, and I remember being in the huddle and on the headset between Coach K and Coach Gaston and myself, we're talking about running what we call Boise, uh, you know, the, the old play where they throw, the, throw the, uh, the dig route and then pitch it to another guy coming across the field, and then you do all the laterals. And the kids, really, it was, it was the receivers and the quarterback, Demetrius. Uh, they said, Coach, let's just go Hail Mary, and, you know. Kay looked at me, we talked to Willie, and was like, all right, the kids say they want to do Hail Mary, we're going to do it. Uh, but that that moment, uh, you know, coaching, you you have some guys that you coach that, you know, you love extra hard, if you know what I mean. Like, you you have to get after them, and because you because you see the potential that they have, and two guys involved in that play from a receiver standpoint are probably two of the guys that I, I coached the hardest while I was at North Shore. Uh, AJ Carter and Shadrach Banks, who are both having great college careers right now. Um, but for AJ to catch that ball, um, knowing his background and what he had been through to get to that moment, like I, I know this sounds cliche, but it really changed his life. Uh, it probably changed mine too. Um, but you know, it was it was a it was a great moment for obviously for the community, the school, but for that kid, for myself, uh, it, it it was a huge moment. Yeah, I remember just popping up out of my seat, you know, um, just couldn't believe it, you know, and and uh, watching that replay over and over um, and just in total shock, as, as I know that you know, Duncanville was and really everybody in in the stadium was uh, that 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 he was able to go up and make that catch. So I, I think I remember um, later on in that winter, a month or so later, we bumped into each other at the ASCA convention there in San Antonio. And at that time, you were still at North Shore. But from there. Uh, you got your first college opportunity. Talk to us about what that was and how that came about. Yeah, it, it, that moment probably uh, was one of the moments that led to me making um, or having conversations with the, the staff at Illinois. AJ was 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 being recruited. I wouldn't say highly recruited. He had a few offers, uh, but at the time, the receiver coach at Illinois, Andrew Hayes Stoker, 
Um, he was their only really Texas connection. Uh, he's from the Dallas area. So he called to recruit AJ um, and you know, wanted to AJ to come to Illinois sight unseen. I, I knew AJ and what his background was, and I just didn't think that was the best decision for him at the time. Uh, but during that time, he starts to quiz me about other guys in the area and my ability to evaluate those guys. Um, so what I didn't know is he probably was kind of interviewing me to be able to, you know, later on be able to stand on the table and say, hey, this guy, you know, has, you know, some connections with, with other schools in the, in the area and other players in the area. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe he's the contact we need in the Houston area uh, later on in the spring recruiting uh, coach Smith's son, Miles. Uh, it was his first time recruiting the area. And I just remember him coming to the school. I know Andrew sent him to North Shore first. And he was like, man, this is my first time recruiting Houston. Uh, I'm not really sure where I should go. At that time, I mean, it was a crazy amount of kids within like a, a 10 mile radius of our school. I think they had, you know, one of the top receivers, you know, at North Forest High School. They had two of the top old linemen at Atascacita. They had a top running back at C. King, like, so just along the beltway there on the on the northeast side of Houston, I'm like, hey, just go here, 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 and here, and you'll see, you know, five or six of the top kids in the country. Uh, him, me helping them out uh, later led to a conversation about an opening they had there. Um, it's just it's it's crazy because you know you talk to so many dudes and you you, you build so many uh, contacts and connections, you don't really know you know, who's really willing to help you, even though everybody says, hey, hit me up if you need something. Um, two dudes that really helped me out in this particular situation were Brad Davis, who's the O-line coach now at, at LSU, and Calvin Thibodeau, who are, uh, who's the, the D-line coach at SMU. Um, you know, Brad, first time he ever came to my school, we had a conversation. He went to Oklahoma. My wife went to Oklahoma, connected those dots. His wife went to Booker T. Washington. I went to Booker T. Washington, so we connected those dots. Before you knew it, he was like, hey, man, you should coach college football. And picture this. this he's telling me this in front of my in front of Coach K and, like, telling me to use him as a contact. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling awkward as heck, man, because, like, man, yes, I want to coach college football, but I'm really happy for the job I have here. Uh, so it, it was just, you know. But from the first time I met him, he was willing to help me. And, and, and Tib. Uh, he's always been willing to help me ever since I met him. So they actually, um, they actually saw Lovey Smith at a camp up in Missouri, uh, and they kind of bombarded him. It was like, "Hey, you want to get into the Houston area? You need to, you need to give Joe Price a chance, uh, probably." So that happened in May. They saw him at a camp in June. Um, probably a weekend later, I was flying up to Illinois for an interview. A month later, uh, I was moving to Champaign, Illinois. Um, but at the, I mean, my wife, you know, she knew what my goals were and, and where I wanted to be. And I just told her, like, this is one we couldn't pass up. You know, Illinois hadn't had uh, winning seasons before then. But I'm thinking about Lovey Smith being a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, I'm thinking about it being Big Ten football. Um, the money was less than I was making as a high school coach, which is, you know, you would think is crazy. Um, but I just knew if I was, if I truly wanted to do it. And, I had to just get in the door and then, you know, let the network that I created during my time in North Shore uh, help me continue to to grow in the profession. So it's worked so, out so far. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and, and we're going to get to what you're doing now. And and um, and I want to I do want to go back to to talking about those days at Illinois, because 
you know, where you're sitting at right now, though, I, I just think this it's it's really it's really awesome and, and crazy. And I want to make sure these guys get this is that, you know, four years ago, you're a Texas high school football coach fresh off a state championship. And now as we sit here tonight, um, you're you're now coaching at UTSA, you're a full time, you know, on the field wide receivers coach for a top 25 team in the country and a, a football scoop uh, finalist for assistant coach of the year. So. Um, I just think that's, you know, your story and we're not done talking about it yet is a great example of what can happen when you just keep working and keep making connections. And, you know, a phrase that, that has been used on this podcast a, a lot is you stay ready. So you ain't got to get ready. So when that opportunity does come or when that person does step in your office, there is no, Oh, let me get my stuff together. You're ready to go. And uh, I think that, you know, from what you're saying, that's, that's kind of what led uh, to those doors being open for you. So what was your role at Illinois? And I'm just curious, you know, you go from coaching high school football and we're in the summer now. So you're already probably your mind's like, hey, I'm here at North Shore. We're going to go back and defend our title. But now, you, you know, you're, you're thrown into this thing. Was there anyone there kind of guiding you along or was it like, hey, dude, we're going to throw you in this thing and just start swimming? Well, you mean at Illinois? Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. I might have said North Shore. Just to talk about like that whole you know, transition from North Shore, like. It hurt. It hurt my feelings. You know what I mean. To 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 leave John K and that group, and you know, yeah, Sharrod Banks coming back, Demetrius. I, I mean, I knew we had a chance to to win it again, uh, and they did go back to back. Uh, but you know, having that conversation with John K saying, "Hey, look, man, I, I love you, but I got to go bet on myself." Like that was probably one of the toughest conversations I had, especially in July. You know what I mean? Like nobody wants to leave their job that that late in the summer or that close to the season. Um, but James Kirkland and Pat Embleton were the two guys at, at Illinois that really, man, I learned so much. I feel like I got a, a master's degree in evaluation between those, those two guys. James, a longtime scout in the NFL, had worked with Coach Smith at, at different spots uh, during his time in the NFL. Uh, just kind of helped me just, you know, really narrowing my focus on what it takes to build a roster and what it takes to really uh, build a profile for each position and even more specifically like the different parts of of a position you know just taking a wide receiver position he had like five different profiles for wide receivers you know your big receiver your your slot receiver your z receiver your offensive weapon uh, and what they you know how fast they should be what what's the ideal size based on pro metrics uh, and you know physical attributes or athletic attributes they should have uh, to be able to say, hey, they're worthy of being offered, where I thought it was just coming in and just, you know, watching watching huddle, uh, watching the huddle highlights and saying, hey, I really like this kid. He's big. He's fast. Let's go. Uh, but I, I think the biggest thing is really watching the game film and, and seeing what they do uh, down in and down out, out. You know, do they have things that they're deficient at that you feel like you can coach? Uh, when you when you get there, or is it you know something that's genetic uh, that you feel like you know that's who they are and they probably won't change and it's probably doesn't probably doesn't really project for the level that we're playing at. Uh, I learned a lot from James. I learned a lot from Pat uh, from a organization standpoint. Just um, I mean, my role there was director of high school relations. Quite honestly, we ain't do a whole lot of relating to the high schools in, in Illinois while I was there with Coach Smith. I think my biggest my biggest role was to help us uh, in the Texas market along with Coach Stoker. Um, so Houston, obviously, is my primary area. 
but Coach Smith really helped me uh, because one of the barriers to my entry to college football was I hadn't recruited uh, at the college level. So, you know, we had a guy that had, you know, some medical issues and he put me on the road going to Dallas and Houston and Atlanta and Tampa, um, just recruiting for whatever position coach needed help recruiting uh, those areas. So um, the whole experience was super valuable. It, obviously, this, this profession is about networking, so it helped me create another 20 guys um, at the college level now uh, to be able to add to my network. So it was, it was pretty cool. So then from there, you you or you get the opportunity to come back to Texas, to San Antonio, which, which you know, no offense to Houston, is my favorite big city uh, in the state of Texas. You know, spent six years, uh, you know, west of San Antonio and Kerrville and uh, actually was just there uh, for New Year's. So um, love San Antonio, uh, really awesome place to be and, and to coach football. And so uh, you guys are, you know, you're UTSA now. And um, real quick before we start about start, talk about the uh, the success you guys have had there. So you get there uh, as a a not an on the field coach, but then you know Coach Trailer uh, talks about you know if you listen to him talk a lot how he loves to promote guys from within. That's that's his big deal. And so you know after your first, I believe it was, you can stop me here if I if I mess this up. But after your first year there, you get promoted to you know full time on the field wide receiver coach and. And so now you're rolling. So just talk about what this, what it's been like at UTSA and, and, you know, being back in Texas and working with the staff that, you know, they talk about how they are all, they're, they're Texas high school football coaches first and foremost. And, and I think that they really ingratiated themselves. You guys have really ingratiated themselves to Texas high school football coaches because of that. So talk about what that's been like. Yeah. So, you know, just when the, I was only at Illinois for eight months, uh, I struggle with leaving there. I mean, freaking Lovey Smith, you know what I mean? Like he's a, a hall of famer, you know, I, I often said, man, I was just watching this guy on TV coaching the Super Bowl 10 years ago. And now I'm riding around Tampa with Lovey freaking Smith, you know? So, you know, at that time, I, I think this happened in probably like February, right before Corona started. Uh, I struggled with leaving because I didn't feel like I had done all that I you know, needed to do. But coach Smith is the one, when the opportunity came up, said, hey, you need to go um, because it's a director of player personnel opportunity. And quite frankly, like, you know, as a minority coach uh, in, in this profession, the more guys that are in, in roles of, uh, you know, that they can make decisions instead of having to make suggestions, um, it helps other other coaches, you know, trying to do the same thing that I'm, I, I was trying to do. Um, the cool thing about Coach Trailer. Uh, is when I interviewed with him, I, you know, I was, I was very upfront about what my goals were professionally. I told him, you know, that I could do the job of director of player personnel because I felt like I had gained some great experience at Illinois, but ultimately I wanted to, I wanted to coach. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't think it would be fair to him to hire me if he didn't see, you know, me having that um, in the future as a part of his staff, because I'm going to always be trying to chase that. Uh, and to be honest, that's the reason he hired me. I think, you know, he said, I, I want to hire coaches uh, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you achieve that goal uh, on this staff if you're the right type of guy. So uh, I'm grateful to Coach Trailer. Uh, it was actually two years that I served in the director of player personnel role. But the entire time uh, I got to be in the room with Will Stein uh, and listen to him coach and uh, be around the guys in the receiver room. 
um, help recruit the receiver room, obviously in, in the rest of the squad, being in my personnel role. Um, but it helped to make a, a really smooth transition. Coach Barry Lunny got the job at Illinois, which is crazy. So Illinois helped me out twice. Um, and then Will got promoted to offensive coordinator, which in turn gave me the opportunity to move into the receiver role. Um, so it's been it's been pretty cool. I mean, uh, it's different now. I, I, I will say that you know it's it's you're, you're not dealing with uh, my mom won't bring me to to the school or I miss the bus type type issues. It's it's some real adult stuff that you're dealing with on a day to day basis. But uh, at the end of the day, it's football. Uh, I'm coaching the same stuff I coached at Galena Park High School and North Shore High School, uh, and is working with adults you know co college college players uh and they're they're having some some good production because of it so just continue to learn and get better yeah well uh again we talked about this i think before we hit record on this thing that um you know for for those of us um in in texas who've seen you guys kind of up up close and personal um you know it's we, we've seen how um you guys have just reignited that program at utsa and and really um, got it going. And, and, you know, last year was awesome. You guys, you know, with the success that you had um, after the first year and then this year, you know, um, with, with running it back and, and, and winning your conference again. And, and so I think that, that now, you know, UTSA is slowly becoming, or maybe not so slowly becoming the, one of those, the, those hot schools in the, in the, in the country that people are starting to recognize. And, and, you know, maybe they didn't know what UTSA stood for a few years ago and now they're starting to figure it out. And, and I and and I think that's that's awesome. So I just want to talk to you about about the culture that Coach Trailer and the rest of you guys, rest of your staff have, have instilled there. You know, you have the triangle of toughness. Uh, I've I've heard that explained several times, but just for these guys who don't know what that is, talk about what the triangle of toughness is. And you know, I think it's so cool because you've embraced that area there, uh, which which loves football. You know, San Antonio is a is a football town. People don't really know that, uh, but they get behind their teams. They love the Spurs. And, and, you know, I know they've, they've talked about putting a professional team there, but you guys are the professional team and you've embraced the culture there. So just talk about your, your own culture within your program and, and, and the triangle of toughness and all those things. Yeah. So, uh, coach, coach trailer commonly refers to it as a two, one, Oh, triangle of toughness, uh, just to making sure that, you know, we, that the city knows that we are San Antonio's football team, uh, or, or that's what we want, want to be or strive to be. Uh, we're the seventh largest city in the, in the country, um, and it's a lot of a lot of fans whose whose loyalties are split in the NFL. I mean, they're they're rooting for Cowboys and, and the Texans and any California transplants or whatever. But you know, from a college stand, college football standpoint, we are the biggest biggest uh, college football entity in town. Um, the triangle of toughness. Uh, we, you know, every week we talk about our culture pillars. Um, you know, each week we start off you know, just focusing on, on one of those. So just to kind of go through them, um, uh, the pinky is integrity. Okay. Pinky promise, uh, the middle finger uh, or the ring finger, uh, is, is passion. Um, you know, he always talks about faking it till you make it, you know, talk about, you know, being married and, uh, and being passionate. And then the middle finger is mental and physical toughness. Doesn't stand for what you think it stands for, but uh, we kind of break those up from week to week, but mental and physical toughness. The pointed finger is, is selfless. Um, the thumb is perfect effort. Um, you don't have to be perfect, but you can always get perfect effort. We wad, wad that fist up, pound the fist, 
when when the day go one and no trust the process uh but inside the inside the triangle of toughness uh from a from a football standpoint we talk about uh being being physical on defense uh, being great on teams having our best players out there playing team and then running the ball on offense uh, i like to add since i'm the receiver coach i like to add run it and then throw it deep okay uh you know all those guys creeping to the box hopefully we can throw it over their head but really I mean, from a from a physicality standpoint, running the ball on, on the perimeter as well, you know, throwing those smokes and bubs and auxiliary runs to get the receivers involved in the run game. So um, the kids have bought into it. The heck, the city has bought into it uh, so much so that I think other programs are starting to create their own uh, similar co cultures um, to for, for their teams to embrace, like Coach Trailer uh, has done with our program. But it's a big time deal. Every tweet that goes out from Coach Trailer, probably 90% of them have the hashtag 210 Triangle of Toughness. So uh, if it wasn't a thing before, it, it's definitely a thing now. Uh, but it's been a thing in our building since since the staff got started. So I think the cool thing about that is, you know, again, uh, Coach Trailer came from Gilmer, uh, small town, you know, a powerhouse in East Texas, um, really a statewide power. And, and, you know, when you go, and I've never been a head coach before, but I've, I've listen to head coaches and talk to head coaches. And you know, when you go somewhere, one of the first things you want to do, especially, and I'm thinking like on the high school level now, is when you go somewhere, you want to create some excitement within the community, you know, and get people kind of buzzing and, and talking and your players excited and coaches excited and everybody kind of, you know, you want to, you want to infuse some juice uh, into the program, into the community. And I think you guys have taken that and done that in the seventh largest city in the nation and been able to, get those guys to rally behind you with the 210 and and I also think it's really cool talk about how um how how you uh the guys who get single digits that's you don't just hand those out how do they how do they get those single digit numbers yeah just to kind of piggyback before I answer that one like probably the biggest thing that has helped the the city embrace our culture has been the kids from this area uh, specifically um when we had sincere, sincere McCormick a year ago was an all-american running back from Judson um, Spencer Burford, who's now in, in the NFL playing for the 49ers uh, from here in town, uh, from, from Wagner. Uh, but Frank Harris and Rashad Wisdom, those two guys, I mean, they, I mean, they, they really are about the 210. Hey, Frank has it tatted on his leg. I mean, but Frank and, and Rashad and a bunch of kids on our team are out in the community, uh, doing community service, going to schools, just putting on free camps. Like, you do that kind of stuff. Um, the city will will love you back. Uh, so you know they they really are the ones that are that are pushing uh, the culture and, and what we're trying to trying to build here at UTSA to the to the city. Uh, from a single digit standpoint, all those guys in the in the spring they go back to their old numbers. Uh, so in the spring, Frank will wear wear uh, I think he wears ten. Rashad will wear thirty nine. Uh, Zakaria wear. 18, Joshua 12, all those guys go back to their, their regular numbers and their effort uh, and their leadership uh, and things like that are what earn the respect of the, their peers. And we vote, their peers vote for them to have those single digit numbers um, each year. So we didn't fill them all out this past year. We didn't have every sing, every number filled in, but uh, those guys that, that wore the single digits are really the, the leaders in their their different position rooms and, you know, for, for our team. So I wouldn't say we have, you know, 
a traditional three or four captains, all those single digits, digit guys are our leadership team. Um, now, obviously, offensive linemen can't wear single digits, but they they still get the same kind of recognition. But it's kind of it's kind of intimidating seeing a big three hundred pound three hundred pound defensive tackle and and number one, you know, light it up. You know, last year we had uh, Leroy. Uh, Leroy was our big tight end, who was about two eighty. He was wearing number one. Oscar is our big tight end, was about two eighty, wearing number wearing number nine. So it's it's pretty cool to see those big guys in the single digits. Yeah, if your name is Leroy and you're wearing number one, you a dog. You a dog. Yeah. He's playing for the Falcons. He's playing for for the 49ers. So, yeah, he's a dog. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's awesome, man. I I just think that's a creative way um, of, of, you know, again, just creating some excitement and and, uh, buy-in from your guys. So here's the, you know, I I guess here's probably something you've talked about or you're looking ahead now as you look look ahead into the the future is – you know the expectations for your your program. I, I don't know. They've they've at least from an outsider's perspective is like okay now what you know like now what's the next step? And so I guess um, you know as the expectations for your program rise and people expect more out of you guys than they did two years ago when you're just trying to you know you guys were were brand new there. How does how does your culture rise with those expectations to match that? You know so you keep your kids from being complacent or or falling back on what they've did, you know, in previous seasons. Yeah. So, so, you know, every year we have a, a, a statement that, you know, kind of defines us for the year this year, it was the bull don't care. Bull don't care. I mean, you watch those bull riders uh, and it doesn't, the bull doesn't care who's on the back. He's going to buck and, and, and try to flip that guy off. Uh, and if you're in the way, he's going, he's going to give you the horns. Uh, so, I mean, that that's kind of, I think that could be adapted. Uh, adopted any year. Last year's team, I, I can remember, you know, at the beginning of the year, Coach Trailer came into a staff meeting and was like, I don't want any more championship videos from last year showing in this building. That was last year's team. Uh, you know, what, what's crazy is it's the same thing I used to hear at North Shore. You know, like, this is not Duncanville, North Shore, too. I mean, this is a whole different team. This is, you know, a, a new year, new teams playing each other. It's not a rematch. You know, um, so last year's team was last year's team. The bull don't care what you're going to do about getting ready for for next year. He hasn't told us what this next year's uh, rallying cry will be, but I'm sure it'll be something similar um, to, you know, to last year's and, and redefining who we are. We had a lot of senior leadership uh, leave over the past two years. So it's time for some other guys to step up and uh, and show that they've, you know, they've developed and they're ready to take on the challenge of, you know, meeting meeting the expectations. We've created a standard. Um, now we got to live up to it. As the standard, as the standard, you know, rises, as the expectations rise, the culture has to match. So um, I think that that's what every position coach is saying because that's what the head coach is demanding. So. Well, I I um I can tell because I've heard Coach Trailer talk on other podcasts and just speak that you know a lot of the things I've heard him say are things you're saying, which means that you guys are in alignment, which is huge. If if you do want buy-in from the players, then then everybody's got to be speaking the same language. You know, right. you know, now you got some freedom, I'm sure, within your position group room to to kind of carry that that out in 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 your own way, in your own style. But I think it's super important and and it's just something I'm picking up on that everybody's in alignment, everybody's rowing in the same direction. Everybody believes in what 
you know, and, and, and what's going on. And then you're then from there, you're free to execute and, and go play some, go play some football then because everybody knows what's expected of them. Well, I'll give you an example. You know, as a high school coach, I used to say, catch the ball and run through two lines. Okay. Coach trailer, coach trailer always says, give me a five yard burst. I'm in alignment with coach trailer. So I'm, I'm talking about getting a five yard burst. I mean, obviously we're, we're, we're wanting the same, you know, the same outcome. We want them to play the game with the ball in their hands. But if we're all going to use the same language, if we're going to be aligned to use your 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 language, I mean, we all got to be speaking the same same verbiage. So it's a lot of that, you know, crossover between offense and defense. Like, what are you calling this this particular block on on special teams? Well, we're going to call it the same thing on offense. What are you calling when you replay a, a play on defense? Well, we're going we're going to say the same. We just want as much same as as possible so our kids one can uh multiple coaches can coach our kids uh, there's a lot of crossover coaching um like i have the freedom to to say something to a db just like nick graham has the freedom to say something to a receiver so this is a, a staff where you gotta you gotta let go if you're if you're an ego-driven guy it, you, you won't exist on this staff for very long uh because coach Trevor won't stand for it yeah, I, I think that's I think that's awesome, and and um, again, just a testament to to the 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 character and the culture that 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 you guys have built there. Uh, just curious, like if I was to come down there this spring, and, and you know when you're in the middle of spring ball, and I'm like, all right, Joe, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shadow you for a day, or maybe it's maybe it's during the season, and I'm just gonna walk around and just see you know how your guys interact with each other in meetings, uh, you know how they're you know what they're how they act in meetings, how they act. Um, and, you know, maybe install periods in practice or in practice, post-practice and study hall class. If I were just to follow you around in the day, talk about some things that, that, I, that I might see out of players, out of coaches, out of support staff um, that maybe, you know, you don't, wouldn't necessarily pick up on or, 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 or even notice because you've been there and it's just kind of an expectation. Probably the biggest thing is every meeting, kids are going to have notebooks and notepads and they're going to be required to take notes. Uh, and then uh, I, I think it's because there's so many high school coaches that are a part of our staff, uh, there's a lot of teaching going on, probably in the same manner that you would you would get in, in a high school classroom setting. Um, so, you know, the, the biggest thing is, you know, our coaches, coach doesn't want us standing in front of the classroom all day, uh, all day talking. Uh, heck, they get tired of hearing me talk. So. You know, you, you get you get a few different teachers in, in, in your room to well, the cool thing is I have Matt Turner that's in my room, who's also the, the head coach at Gilmer. So not only am I coaching, but I'm getting coached on the way I coach. So I, I think that's probably one of the biggest blessings uh, that I have or I've had this, this season. Um, I have a, a support staff guy that's with me named Dr. Poppy Patel, who actually went to medical school. Um, and finished his degree and wants to coach. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever, I've ever been around. He's younger than me. Uh, so I'm getting coached, but I get a chance to also coach a coach, uh, you know, with, with some things that I've, I've learned over the past few years. But uh, you're also going to see our, our players getting up and coaching younger players. Uh, you know, you often hear about – there's a lot of coaches that want to tell you how much they know. Uh, but it doesn't matter if the kids don't know it, you know, so we, we, we're, we're pushing every room to make sure our guys are expert teachers of the game. If they can teach it, then that means they know it. Uh, and that means they'll, they'll play a lot faster. Um, 
you know, once they get on get out on the field. Uh, I, I think what you'll also see, and I know you've probably been to a bunch of different different staffs, is you're gonna see a lot of coaches uh bouncing around uh and you know creating the energy that we we demand from the from the student athletes. So you know you hit that grass, you know, I, I gotta I gotta hit a hit a pad coming out from a strength guy and then I gotta hit the grass running. Uh, but if I if I want those guys to have great energy, um, and this is with every position group, and we our, our staff brings great energy, uh, and we, we take that energy into the meeting room. It's a it's a really a collaborative effort. It's just it's different, you know what I mean? It's, it probably feels more like Pleasant Grove or or North Shore uh, than you know most universities. Yeah, I um, I I think that that's that's really cool, and and you know all of those things are. Um, you know, things that 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 every program in America says they want to be. But, you know, how many of them are actually doing that? You know, because it's yeah. tough, man, like it's tough to to stay on that and and relentlessly pursue what you're going to be about day in, day out, you know, um, on, on, a, on a consistent basis. But when you're able to do that, then that's when you're able to enjoy the success that you guys have had. Now, I want you to go back and and put on your your recruiting coordinator hat, your high school recruiting coordinator hat for us. Um, and just, you know, give us some advice on things, you know, is, is I'm a, I'm the recruiting coordinator here at PG, but it's really kind of split up. It's almost gotten to be, it's, it's too big of a job for one person. Um, it's splitting up, it's split up between about four of us really to take the bulk of it. Um, but if, you know, what advice would you give to high school coaches, high school recruiting coordinators on things like getting their kids recruited, building relationships with college coaches, uh, marketing themselves, all those types of things. What advice would you give um, for those guys? Yeah, um, you know, pro- probably the biggest. You, t- you talked about us seeing each other at AFCA. Probably the biggest thing that, I mean, obviously the kids help help you get you know get people to your school. Um, but you know, I worked the registration booth at AFCA for about five years, and that helped me just get kids get get coaches to come down and and you know. Come to North Shore. Um, you know the bit the, the guys that are really really good on your team, they probably don't need as much help getting recruited, or from a recruiting standpoint, than the guys that are you know the ninth, tenth, eleventh guy, the, the Division two, II, Division three NAI guy. Um, first off, you know personally, I treated those coaches the same way I treated the Power Five coaches. I mean, if you know it was a Division two head coach that came through. I treated in the same way I treated Ed Orgeron and Nick Saban and anybody else. I I, I think uh, all those coaches deserve that. Uh, you're you're working for um, you, most of the work go, that goes in is probably for you know the Division two and down. Um, you know, but from a marketing standpoint, I always had my uh, my my list or my recruiting sheet, um, and most of the time I only put the guys on there that had some varsity experience or if they were a young guy that had crazy measurables that projected uh, to the next level early on. Um, I try, I tried not to necessarily push guys to, to certain schools or try to project them. I mean, heck, that's what the college coaches get paid for. Uh, I put the information down on paper and I let them you know, do their own homework. But if they did ask for my advice, I would typically, uh, you know, push them for guys that fit the profile. Uh, from an athletic standpoint, but also fit maybe a need from a production standpoint. You know, the most highly productive guys 
I, you know, no matter what their size was, I tried to promote them the best, the best I could, um, you know, on level. Um, we started a website at North Shore during my time there, uh, just for ease of use. But now, I mean, there's, I think Next Level Athlete does something that helps high school coaches now. I think that's awesome. Um, and then, man, Twitter was was such a, a huge tool to connect with people right now. Um, you know, I, I would tell our kids that wanted to get recruited, uh, if you can't make a, a highlight video, then it's probably not time for you to start getting recruited. It's probably time for you to get to work. Uh, but then when they, I made sure all those guys had social media profiles, monitored those and pushed them to promote themselves. And then I just piggybacked everything that they put out there. So it didn't feel like I was promoting any one individual kid. Uh, I know parents are on there watching and, you know, that, that leads to other issues within your program. Hey, you're, you're promoting this kid all the time. I'll just let the kids promote themselves. And I just piggybacked everything that the kids do, did. Um, the, the the cool thing that John John K allowed me to have a ton of freedom um, when when it came to recruiting. Uh, one of the things that we did in the spring, in conjunction with our spring scrimmages, is we had um, two parent meetings that were solely on recruiting. So pr prior to the scrimmage, got the parents over. The first one was just about academics. So we taught the, the parents how to evaluate their their son's um, transcript what the NCAA requirements were to get into into school. So they have some some buy-in to, you know, making sure their kid was academically eligible. Uh, we had counselors come over to talk to them about like the dual credit program and honors programs because we knew we can steal some points uh, with those programs and possibly, you know, get guys in position to graduate early. Uh, and then the second time around, um, you know, probably the coolest thing was I had a coach who was who was out of work in that in that spring come through and just talk about what the profile fits were or what people are looking for from level to level. Uh, it just, I guess it just wasn't believable for me to say, hey, you're five, six, um, you know, offensive lineman who's not going to Oregon. What it, it wasn't enough for me to say that. If I say it, I'm hating. Uh, but for a guy who's been at the power five level, FCS level, HBCU, who's been at all these levels to say, hey, these are how we we, we grade these guys and we project them. Uh, it just meant more uh, as we presented it to those parents from his perspective instead of mine. Uh, and that allowed me some freedom to then really help the guys um, get recruited on level. Um, I think during my time at North Shore, during the, during the five years, I want to say we had 80 kids get opportunities to go, go play ball. And there's probably another 20 that we got their recruiting going uh, that, you know, got opportunities after leaving North Shore, uh, some some really good ones. But I think the biggest things that, you know, I really focused on was making sure that the communication between the counselor, the registrar, um, and our our staff was, was constant, you know, making sure guys were in the right classes that gave them advantages academically, um, making sure that the kids were taking classes that, you know, that they needed instead of just some some common elective that that didn't help them you know you know they had they now have electives that you know like let's say there's a we had a, we had a class called creative writing uh for whatever reason it was an honors credit like i wanted to get everybody in that creative writing class because to inside the building it was an elective but for the ncaa it was an honors credit let's get let's get five points if that's a, that's an a uh so just making sure I, I closely monitor that kind of stuff. Uh, and then 
really just staying in constant communication with the parents on what's going going on at you know with the recruiting and how active uh, people are and what they're looking for in terms of the athlete. Um, always connecting with the with the college coaches. You know, when I see they were in town on Twitter, tell them to come through, just kind of like everybody does right now. Uh, but you know, just making sure I gave them honest evaluations on our guys so they would come back and and continue to recruit our guys. I never really send like mass text to to uh, I might copy and paste, but I never would, would send like a group text to like twenty college coaches at one time. Uh, it, it doesn't feel personal when you do that. Uh, I just want to make sure that I'm. I wanted to make sure I was always giving guys, you know, guys that they actually wanted to recruit uh, and wanted to come out and see uh, and would come back and see the next group when I send more guys. And uh, that's kind of a long spiel. There. No, no. And, and I want to focus on what you said there at the end about the mass texts and the, you know, hitting up. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure if we, if you open up your DMs right now, there's probably thousands and thousands of, of messages and stuff that, you know, from, from players and coaches and, um, you know, and, 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 and I'm sure that has its place, but I think um, kind of, this is just from what I've picked up on is that you have to play the long game when it comes to building relationships with college coaches. Um, right. If, if my, if mine and yours relationship is only every time, anytime you hear from me is only because I'm like, Hey, Hey, coach price, you need to check out this kid. Da, 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 da. If that's the extent of our relationship, then, then the chances of you looking at that kid or taking that seriously are probably not good. But if I continue that relationship throughout the year, and it could just be something like a text once every couple of months, like, Hey coach, hope you're doing good. You know, good luck this weekend. Or, you know, I just think being able to keep that relationship going. And then when it comes time to, Hey, we got a kid, do you mind looking at him? You know, then, then it's, it's a much easier sell than, Hey, I'm some random coach that, you know, you that found you on Twitter. Will you please check out my kid? I'll tell you this, uh, just kind of speaking of relationships, we had a great relationship at at at, uh, at North Shore with the staff at LSU and the staff at Texas A&M. Coincidentally, Bradley Del Pivota was on both of those staffs at one time uh, with that relationship. But every summer we would take a group of kids to LSU, uh, young kids and, and kids that were highly recruited, and they're, they're recruiting with get jump started at that camp. I mean, they're going to get some of the top players in the country at, at that camp setting. And if they fit the bill from a measurable standpoint, they usually got offered at, at one of those camps. Um, we use that to springboard the opportunity for other other kids. Um, I, that's some wild recruiting stories. But I mean, I, th I think getting your kids to the right camps, uh, it was, was always a goal of mine. Uh, you know, any camp that you had to pay for that there wasn't a college coach that was going to be there. I mean, I'm not hating on anybody hustling. I'm just saying that, you know, that's probably not the opportunity that, you know, gets you what you want. Um, any any deal where you have to have to pay a ton of money for a recruiting service. Again, I'm not hating on anybody's hustle, but for for the amount of effort I was putting into helping those kids get recruited, I just didn't feel like it was uh, it was worth those kids money. For the type of uh, the type of community that we serve, um, so you know, we were hustling, uh, taking kids all over the country, um, getting them in front of college coaches, but most importantly, trying to just make sure they were set up, um, not only in their in their production, but 
and everything else to, to accepting the opportunities that came about. So um, I just think, you know, giving your, your guys great guidance in terms of where to go and how to how to make sure they get properly recruited, you know, reaching out to coaches before they attend the camp. Um, I mean, obviously the relationships at Rice and U of H and Texas Southern were beneficial to me to be able to, you know, take a young guy who may be a wayward young guy to a college campus for the first time and watch a, watch a practice that's 20 minutes down the road from our school. Like that helped us. That helped us have better players because they were more motivated, but it also helped, helped them, you know, uh, from a recruiting standpoint too, you know, like uh, these kids in college, so I, can, I guess I can mention their name, but like take Denver Harris uh, up to Oklahoma and Shadrack Banks, you know, before they were Denver Harris and Shadrack, like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like I had a great idea of who they were and how they projected. And those were two really good picks, but we had others like that. Um, uh, I just think you just, you got to get kids on college campuses. You got to keep them motivated. You got to be honest with them. Um, and then you got to be, you got to continue to cultivate those relationships. So when you do ask to bring a kid over or send a college coach, a kid, they, they really want to watch or really want to want to take a look uh, because they know, you know, that you're, you're sending them something that, that could be of value to them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, last question on this. Uh, if you were, you know, you're, if you're, you're going walking into high school tomorrow to, to talk with coaches and look at kids, what would, um, you know, for you to walk back out to your car after that visit, what would have to take place for you to be like, man, those coaches had it together. I was really impressive. You know, I was really impressed with that, with that staff, with how they handle themselves, how, you know, they, they welcomed me, how they made me feel, um, you know, feel welcome. And, and, you know, they were, they were prepared and they those guys are doing right by their kids. So what were some things, what would be some things that that staff did to make you say that or think that as you're walking back to your car? Yeah. I mean, uh, just thinking about just some of the places I've been, just, you know, I can recall my first time out. I thought I had my stuff together. Like I thought I was detailed and, and you know, I, I thought I had it together, but like going to some schools in in um in Georgia and coaches had PowerPoint presentations where they were, you know, they would pull up a guy's profile and click on this and you know it goes right to their to their link, you know. You know, you depending on on where you're at and how much time you have to spend, you may not be able to watch every kid, but for them to have, you know, maybe a printed copy, a digital link, uh, you know, and that that digital link has you know links to their Twitter or their their huddle profile like just kind of a one-stop shop for uh the ability to be able to get in contact and get all the information that you need on the kid um you know I know this is I don't know if I should say this or not but I used to make sure that whatever kid that they were wanting to wanting to get eyes on they got eyes on them you know and and I would make sure that that you know that the kid was aware that, that that coach was coming to our school uh, well before the coach ever showed up just to make sure one that the kids freaking at school uh, but you know uh, they could be somewhere where I could get to them pretty quickly the cool thing about North Shore is our our, our administration was on board with helping those kids so um, coaches always got a chance to, to to see kids but just you know accurate the accuracy of you know contact information height and weight being able to eyeball the kid um, and then have access to the video. I think all those those things, if you got them, got them put together in multiple forms, 
uh, you got a chance for somebody to take you seriously uh, from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, awesome. That's that's great stuff. Well, we're going to close today's uh, episode out with the first installment of our rapid fire questions of 2023. And I got some interesting ones for you, uh, Coach Price, because uh, some of them are uh, going to be uh, Harding-based. Some of them are going to be Houston-based questions. And we may throw some San Antonio questions in there for you. Here's the first one. Um, talk about your most memorable game as a Harding Bison. It could be a win, could be a loss, could be an atmosphere. Most memorable game. You look back on your career, most memorable game playing for the Bisons. Uh, probably the most memorable game is we knocked off, uh, I think it was my junior year, we knocked off Valdosta State. They were no more in the country. Uh, I thought we had a great plan. Uh, you know, we had we had some up-tempo stuff, a menu of, of plays, like 10 or 15 plays that we memorized and worked all week. Uh, and we came we came out and got after them and beat them in overtime. I think that might have been the first time the school had knocked off a number one team in the country. Uh, it was pandemonium at, at at first security stadium, but uh, it, was, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, I was a red shirt that year. Remember that? Uh, remember that that game? Um, okay. Speaking of Harding, this may get you in, in a little bit of hot water with with your boys, but uh, don't want to do that. But if you were to give your top five Harding football players, and you know, look, if maybe you haven't seen some guys that have been playing now or in the last four or five years or ten, maybe since you've been out, that that's fine. But your your top five Harding football players. You can put it in in random order, or you can rank them from five to one, however you want to do it. But what, where, who's making that top five? Oh, that's tough. Uh, okay, no, no particular order. Uh, obviously, I play with Robert Towns, who just went into into the into the Harding Sports Hall of Fame. He's probably one of the best corners I ever I ever went against in practice. I mean, I never seen a dude have four interceptions twice uh, in a game in a in a single season. Like that's that's insane. Um, uh, Corey Nichols had a pretty good, good career there. He was a kid that played for us in North Shore. I think he was multiple, multi all conference guy when he was there. For him to be a, a smaller guy, I thought he went there and had a spectacular career. Um, uh, Tim Love was a guy I played with who was a kind of a, a freaky, a freaky D line player. Uh, got a, got a shot in the league. It's pretty good. Gerald Payne was probably the reason I, I, I I went there because I saw him catch like a hundred balls on video. That's four. Probably rounding out my top five. And I probably I, I know I'm missing a bunch of guys. Kurt Adams had a really good career. Like, oh, oh, Kurt caught a caught a ton of footballs there uh, and had an opportunity to go on and play play a little bit. I think he played in Canada for a little bit, but yeah, Kurt, I watched Kurt you know tear it up at Harding Academy, uh, and then he. Any record that I thought I might have might have been close to. Oh, I'm forgetting some guys. Hey, just, hey, there's one guy that 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 won a Super Bowl ring that you uh oh Tank Daniels. Tank Daniels, yeah. Tank Tank was he was a really good player. I mean, he gave us we came in in the same class and uh I played as a true freshman. He ended up having a red shirt, but he gave us fits on on scout team and you know for the next four years. You know, if 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 I didn't have anybody to talk a little crap to, I definitely had Tank to be able to do that. So, uh, Tank, yeah, Tank had an awesome career. Yeah, yeah, and and we could keep going, and and um, you know, there's there's a bunch of guys that are that are getting left out there, but uh, that's a really good list. Um, I, there were a couple there that I figured, you know, that that you might say Gerald Payne was one I thought of, Tim Love, 
Um, I just remember I was I was going up as a high school kid watching those guys, you know, because watching my brother play, you guys play. And so just being in awe, you know, uh, of those guys and how big they were, how talented they were. Um, okay, next one. Um, and now in your in your time as a college football coach, taking out the Alamo Dome, which is an awesome venue. What's the best venue that you've coached at or been in? Man. To be in DKR last year, this past season, that was that was sick. A hundred, a hundred thousand screaming Longhorn fans. That that probably was the uh, only environment that I can I can say has you know been close to that was probably the state freaking state championship game playing in Jerry's World. Uh, but yeah, DKR. I mean, that was my first time really participating in the game there. So yeah, that that was crazy. All right, so here's a, a Houston question for you. Um, I, I know you're a Houston rap fan. Are you still does that does that still make it on the uh, on the playlist there at UTSA or? Oh, for sure. Okay, so playlist for sure. Let's uh, let to me what I love about Houston rap is like it's it's kind of it's timeless to me. I mean, at least it is for me. I, I think it is. Some of the kids still like it. You know that song's on our play our practice playlist. But if you were to, uh, you gave me your top five Harding football players, top, top five Houston rappers, who you, in no particular order, who you got? All right. So, uh, Slim Thug, uh, does does UGK count as count as one or two? Yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna say groups or pair, but yeah, I would say that that counts as one. Okay. So, I mean, even though they're from Port Arthur, I, I still I still consider them Houston. Uh, you know. Uh, Travis Scott, I like Travis Scott, uh, but if we're if we're going old, I love Lil Kiki. Um, trying to think who a Fat Pat would probably round out. That's, my that's yeah, I, that's Fat Pat and and Slim Thug for sure there. And then the other the others are kind of uh, you know, but those are my two. Uh, Paul Wall's probably in there. People's Champ, um, <laughs> but uh, okay, all right. So I, I, I'm sure you've gotten to uh, get out in San Antonio to some. To some spots and and have a good meal there. So if I'm coming into town, where are we where are we going to eat? Oh, that's tough. I mean, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I go to work and I go home. To be honest, but but on all our official visits though, we go eat barbecue at Pinkerton's Barbecue. Uh, yeah. Down. Uh, I know they started in Houston, but you know the only other locations here in San Antonio is probably some of the best best uh, barbecue I, I've had. Um, so that's that's one of my top choices. Also, to pub your uh, the the coaches social. That's home of the uh, of the UTSA coaches social at coaching school. Good time. Uh, we'll be back in Houston this year, but that's a that's a great and that's a great marketing ploy there, putting it putting it there because you can go in and, and get you some barbecue, get you a cinnamon roll, and uh, talk some football. So yeah, Pinkerton's obviously Mexican food. We could go on and on about the Mexican food there. Um, we we brought back some some tacos with us. They don't taste as good out of the refrigerator a few days later, but we brought some back anyway, some, some homemade tortillas, all that stuff came back with this from, from our trip there uh, this past week. Okay. So one of the cool things about San Antonio, and I, I know you guys show this, you, you, this is a big, big thing with, with your recruits is, you know, you got SeaWorld, you got Fiesta, Texas, you got the rim, you got the Spurs. So again, I know you talked about your, you work and, and there's not a whole lot of time, but you know, you have kids, What's your, what's kind of like, what do you like to do? Where do you like to go with your kids or some fun things to do for families in San Antonio for maybe guys who are looking for a spot to get away this summer? 
you know, I took, we went to SeaWorld for the first time since I was like in middle school uh, this past, this past summer. So that was pretty cool. Uh, but another, there's, there's a Marriott resort up here, a JW Marriott resort. That's pretty cool. So we did a little staycation there, have a pretty cool water park on, on campus there. Um, so if you're looking for, a, you know, a hill country vacation, I, I think that's pretty cool. I haven't been to, I haven't been to Fiesta, Texas yet. Uh, the Pearl, that, that brewery area is pretty cool for, for families and, you know, the outdoor mall right up near the university, La Quintera, that resort, uh, it's, it's pretty nice to just walk around. I, when everybody asks me about it, I, I say it's like the, the outdoor Galleria. I mean, it's the only thing I could really compare it to back home. Um, but all those, all of those are really nice, but you know, the, the typical tourist stuff, we, we take them down to the river walk and, and walk around down there a little bit, but San Antonio has, has so much, you, you got the city, you drive up, up, uh, out West about 20 minutes past burning, you got the country, um, you can get over to, you know, right outside the city, uh, close to the Bronxville and, you know, do some other stuff with, on the river and I got a little, little zoo area over there. So, you know, it, it is my favorite city because it's got, um, it's got something like you already mentioned, if you're into the city stuff, it's got everything you need as far as shopping, restaurants and theme parks and, if you do, or if you're into more outdoor stuff, there, there, there's all kinds of rivers and stuff to go float and things to do and hunting. And, you know, if you're, you like sports, there's, there's the Spurs and there's, you know, obviously you guys. And so it's a, it's a great spot to be. This was a, a lot of fun. And, and, and honestly, we should have done this a whole lot sooner, but I uh, want to thank you so much. These guys don't know this, but you've indirectly had a huge impact on this podcast because you've uh, been responsible for finding me a lot of guests. Michael Gwynn is one, uh, Sean Wynn, and I know there's a couple other ones in there that that I'm that I'm not that I'm escaping my memory. But anyway, we had had Sadiq Haynes on, uh, who's there at UTSA with you. So uh, anyway, just uh, appreciate you taking some time uh, tonight and uh, joining me, and I uh, want to wish you the best of luck this off season and and in uh, 2023. I appreciate you having me. It's been been an awesome time. Um, it's pretty cool. I listened to it. Hopefully, you know, try to learn some stuff that the defense is doing so I can I can teach my guys how to be more aggressive. Uh, you know, maybe maybe when you uh, get into the offensive side of uh, striking guys and keeping your pass down, you'll have me back on. Thanks so much to Coach Price for joining us today and kicking off this season of the podcast in a big way. Uh, be sure to give Coach Price a follow on Twitter. You can find him at Coach JP3. That's the number three. And let them know you heard him here on KYPD. Also, hey, it's New Year's resolution time. And I know many of you guys have rating and leaving a positive review for KYPD at the top of that resolution list. So go ahead and scratch that one off the list right now. No, no procrastinating. That's probably uh, in the top five on that list as well. So go ahead and do that. Give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and help us spread the word about our podcast here. Today's quote goes like this. Before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And that will do it for today's episode of the podcast. Thanks again for joining us today. Be on the lookout for episode number 146, dropping sometime soon. Until then, Coach Price is going to close us out tonight with the help of his two GAs, a.k.a. his beautiful daughter's Jordan and Ryan. And after you hear this, tell me Coach Price ain't also a D1 dad. Crushing it. Anyway, go ahead, girls. 
Keep your pants down. <laughs> <laughs>